What we do in life echoes in eternity. You will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live. From the WSFI studio in Libertyville, Illinois, this is Pro-Life Today with your host, Joe Scheidler. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pro-Life Today. This is WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. I'm your host today, Joe Scheidler, and I'm here with my wife, Anne. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. Today, my guest is going to be Mary Holland Fiorito. Uh, Mary Helen Fiorito is going to be giving a talk, and I'll tell you, it's tomorrow night. You can still get in on it. It will be with the Lake County Right to Life. And if you want to, if you want to um, go hear her live, I'll be giving the information in a few minutes. Mary Helen has a law degree from Loyola School of Law, and she's a former director of the Pro-Life Activities for the Archdiocese of Chicago. She did that for many years. In fact, she... Uh, has, is still very active in pro-life. She's the first woman vice chancellor of the archdiocese. And when we opened a chapel in our office, uh, hers was one of the names that gave us permission to open a chapel and have the Blessed Sacrament and, and have Mass in our office. Now she is the Cardinal Francis George Fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. And Mary Helen does a lot of talking, a lot of running around, a lot of uh, uh, keeping people informed. And we're going to talk today about religious liberty. And is there anything more important than religious liberty? I mean, it's being attacked. There's no question about that. And uh, Mary Helen Fiorito, are you out there to, to talk to us? I hope. I'm here. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much to you and to privilege to be with you and you. Give us give us some background on you know what you're going to talk about tomorrow night uh, at at the uh, Lake County Right to Life banquet and uh, on on religious liberty because it's been a problem forever in this country. Right. Yeah. It's it's you know there have been some very encouraging cases that you know have posed um, some challenges to us, you know, it's, it, thank goodness we have a very robust first amendment that protects not only our freedom of worship, but also our, um, our freedom of expression. So, you know, a lot of people sort of, when they, when they hear the phrase religious liberty, that means that, you know, they think, well, I can go to church any place they want. Well, that's just freedom of worship. That is not, you know, uh, what religious liberty means. Religious liberty in its fullest sense takes into account that, you know, if you are a Catholic, a Jewish person, a Muslim person, a Buddhist, a Sikh, that you do not have to check your faith at the door in society in the United States. So, for example, if you're a Catholic and you work in a public library, on Ash Wednesday you can wear your ashes while you're at work, even though you work for a government institution. The government cannot interfere with your ability um, to express your religious beliefs in the public forum. Nor can it do so if you own a private company, which we saw recently with the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, decision, which I was very grateful to see. The Supreme Court ruled five to four in that case that an evangelical Christian, in this particular case, who owned his own uh, pastry and cake shop, did not have to participate in a same-sex wedding by creating a custom cake for the couple who came in as his customers. So, um, so religious liberty, you know, is, is a very kind of broad term. There have been multiple attempts. 
by the government in recent years, you know, to kind of cut back on those liberties. But thankfully, we have good people who are out there fighting the good fight, like yourselves, you know, with your now with the Scheiser case, to be able to um, keep religious liberty available for all of us. So I'm going to touch on some of the more recent Supreme Court decisions, in particular ones that have affected the pro-life issue specifically. I'd imagine then you bring up the Little Sisters of the Poor and Hobby Lobby, you know, and the... Other, yeah, and, uh, well, you know what I'm, what I'm really going to focus on in particular, uh, because it is of interest um, to people in Illinois, because there's a there's a parallel case here in Illinois, is the Nifla versus Becerra decision, right, right. Uh, which was a case that came out of California that would have required Christian and Catholic pregnancy centers to advertise for and to promote abortion clinics. The, um, so that decision was also a five to four decision. There is a very similar uh, law in Illinois that was passed after California that was, in fact, modeled on the California law. So that law is now, you know, kind of on hold um, because of this Supreme Court decision. Right. It came out in favor of the Christian Pregnancy Center. So I want to kind of focus on that because it really does affect so many people in uh, the pro-life movement in Illinois who do that kind of um, particular pro-life work. Well, Mary, did did that ever, as I understand, they put a stay on that so that the, the crisis pregnancy centers really never did have to put up those goofy signs telling where you could get an abortion and giving you all right. the information. Right. You mean the one in California, Joe, or the one Well, here? the one here in Illinois. Uh, it right. Se- it seems so to it, me it they, g- they, got it, they got it stifled, at least for the time being, and now probably well, they will did, win it. they did. I mean, did they ever Go have ahead, to? Anna, it sounds did, like, yeah. Well, just, they, they did, Joe, that's for the, for the, for the initially, mm-hmm. for the pregnancy center, that mm-hmm. was the initial lawsuit. Mm-hmm. That the judge was very narrow in terms of allowing um, a, an exemption to the law only for those pregnancy centers that had actually filed. So later on, all the rest of the pregnancy centers in Illinois had to jump, jump so, so that they would be protected by that state. And do you want to break? But in initially, here with, uh, there were initially some pregnancy centers stopped sure. taking clients. Yeah, I know uh, the women's center had stopped taking clients. The women's for, center was one of them for, right. for quite a while yeah, because they, they have not been. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Mary, do you find it uh, a little troubling that these very, very important court decisions that deal with our religious liberty have been such narrow victories? Um, yeah. They have, well, in these particular contexts, yeah, remember the Hosanna Tabor case not so many years ago. I think Hosanna Tabor's five years old. Now, that, that, that dealt with a hiring and firing issue within the Lutheran community. That was nine to nothing. So mm-hmm. that was a very strong decision in favor of re- religious liberty. I think when you take religious liberty and then add in uh, the volatile uh, ingredients of either abortion or, or same-sex marriage, that's when I see you, uh, you see the court become a little yeah. more narrowly divided. It, become, it becomes very political at that point. Um, yes. So, uh, right. So just right. highlights exactly. the... And I think it's because it's those issues, right? So, right. Um, but Hosanna Tabor was a... I was, I, frankly, I was, I was amazed it was a 9-0 decision. I didn't think uh, Sotomayor and, and Ginsburg would, would rule with us, but they did. And the Chief Justice wrote the opinion and was quite, you know, unusually snarky for the Chief Justice, who, I mean, I actually burst out laughing when I read the decision, <laughs> you know, which I don't, you don't normally do with us. They're not usually funny. But, no, uh, no, they're not usually very funny. With, <laughs> yeah, it's not usually, you know, it's not usually guffawing laughter, but he began with a line that said something like, I find it hard to believe 
that the state of Missouri could actually really think the First Amendment's free exercise clause has nothing to do with free exercise. And so I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is, gonna, this is only going to get better from here. And it did. So, uh, so that was a good decision. And we actually saw something kind of similar language-wise in the NIFLA decision. That's that pregnancy center case from uh, California I just mm-hmm. referenced. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Kennedy wrote a concurrence. Uh, which is something that a justice would do when they join in with the majority opinion, but they want to make it like a particular extra point. And uh, when California passed this legislation, they kind of patted themselves on the back and congratulated themselves for being very progressive thinking. And in a rather deliciously snarky, you know, comment, uh, Justice Kennedy said, you know what might be really progressive is if you all sit down and actually read the First Amendment. Yeah. You yes, I did notice and that. And then you can, it's great. <laughs> that was oh good. Oh my gosh, this from Anthony Kennedy. So Kennedy is a yeah. very, very strong First Amendment guy, right? He's a very strong free speech person. He's a very strong, uh, you know, First Amendment overall person. So I, it wasn't entirely surprising to see that from him, but it was surprising to see the sort of um, sarcasm that uh, he used in the opinion, which is not really like him in terms of his judicial compliments. Wouldn't you like to have been in on that discussion after the oh, oral gosh. arguments? Oh, to be a fly <laughs> on the wall with that one, I know. Yeah, yes. And then, you know, with Masterpiece Paint Shop, too. You know, I, I think we saw some um, some language in that opinion um, that you know from Justice Kennedy. Um, the way in which that particular baker was treated was disgraceful mm-hmm. by the government, who who singled him out and uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, in my opinion, mocked his religious beliefs. They and did. this was well, they're all test you know, cases. Lis- I mean, he could go somewhere and get two two men standing together, but they're always testing. Yeah, us. they're they're looking for ways to looking push for it. Looking for ways to push it. it. Yeah, correct. Yeah. That. You know, I, now, he did. now what was con- what I think has been um, misleading for the public is, you know, I saw this all over social media that he refused to sell them a wedding cake. That is not true. No. He, in fact, said you may have any <clears throat> pre-made cake in the store. Right. What I cannot do is do a custom cake for you that would require me to use my creative talents to celebrate and to create something specifically for a same-sex marriage. I cannot do that, but you are welcome to purchase anything in the store that's already made. But that's not what they wanted, right? So, no. yeah. And this no. was a man who, who, my goodness, he wouldn't do divorce cakes, which are apparently a thing. I didn't realize so this cake that <laughs> divorce cakes are a thing now. You get a cake and you split it in half. It's some crazy thing. But anyway, oh, he goodness. had been approached by some people, to uh, customers, to do divorce cake. He declined. He was asked to do stag party cakes. He declined. He wouldn't even do Halloween cakes. Oh, that's right. Just, I, you I know, did. Many evang- yeah. yeah, many yeah. Ev- evangelicals do not. They believe it's a pagan holiday. They don't participate. Their kids yeah. don't trick or treat. And he is one of those families. And he declined. He, he would decline every Halloween cake he was uh, asked to do. Yeah. So this was somebody who. Well, that's going a little had, far. Had, had, I kind of like firmly Halloween. Held principles <laughs> and, you, but, but, and applied them evenly. Well, you know, there, um, just uh, we had talked about the First Amendment, uh, reading it. It's simple. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press and so on. I mean, it's very clear that um, Congress is not going to prohibit a religion. And here they're making it so hard to to be religious. What's behind that, really? What is the... What kind of well, a motivation did they have that they wanted to yeah. drive out anything spiritual? Yeah, I think, you know, um, now again, I'm speculating here. I, I cannot get into the, the minds and hearts of legislators. I do think there is, in 
towards religion. We are seeing an increasing number of particularly young people every year identify themselves as no religion whatsoever. They call them nuns, N-O-N-E-S, because they identify with no religion. Um, So I think you're seeing, first of all, just an ignorance of what religious people believe and do and, 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 you know, uh, proclaim in the public square. Uh, So I think there's also a great misunderstanding of the First Amendment, as simple as it is. Um, and the, there is a very strong sort of contingent that capitalizes on that ignorance to make people think, you know, that a gay couple can walk into McDonald's and not be served because they're gay, which is, you know, absolutely not what this law was saying no. um, and what this decision was saying. And I think, you know, again, the issues of abortion primarily, but then also um, issues of same-sex marriage, um, do weigh in heavily here in the culture. And, you know, as you well know, you and Anne, because you have faced this yourself, the abortion industry has a whole lot of money oh with which to litigate, right? So as you have been subject to yourself. So um, they have money with which to do it. They would like nothing better than to see all of us go away so that they continue to do their work unbothered by us, you know. Um, and so they don't like religious people in the public square because, it, you know, it's a rebuke to them, right? It so is. Right. They, yeah, it is. You know, well, they've so, all got guilty um, consciences. I mean, they know evil is evil, and, and they, they like well, the you evil. know, Joe, yeah. I used to think that was true. Go ahead, Ann. You were going to say something. <laughs> I didn't well, I was just going to say that the way we're built, uh, our mind is looking for the truth, and our will is looking for the right. good. That's just how we're made. Right. And when you're doing right. evil and when you're lying to yourself, you're not happy. And so you don't like people right. that do the right thing. And I, I think it's just a kind of getting back at somebody that, that is telling you, uh, whether the director or not, that you're, you're guilty, that you're doing something bad. Yeah. So don't you well, think? Well, I mean, the very fact that you exist and that you and Ann do the work that you do is a is an attack on their, you know, their very way of life, right? They, yeah. they see you as a, as a daily, you know, um, reminder to them, I think. Uh, well, I think the Catholic Church, what too. What they're doing is... The Catholic Church falls Pardon in... Me? The Catholic Church itself falls in, in that category. The, the very existence of the Catholic Church with right. its staunch um, uh, support for sexual ethics and the the dignity and respect for human life um, is a thorn in their side. So, right. you know, it's... Um, right. And we have to stand yeah, up funny, for it you know, to it make was, sure I that, had a long um, Facebook uh, conversation, I'll call it, so it got slightly heated, with the, with the sibling of someone who is a long-time pro-life activist whose name you would know, but I, would, I won't mention her here because I don't have permission to do that, but she had posted something uh, because her sister was speaking at a major conference that was happening in Colorado this past week and had posted something, you know, uh, asking for prayer. She said, I'm going up to give my talk now. And uh, this, her sibling chimed in with, you know, I really wish you wouldn't embarrass our family by doing this kind of work. Um, <laughs> you know, you just want to keep women from having sex. And uh, uh, I mean, it uh. was so I thought, you know, this poor woman, you know, I, and I, as you both know, I don't like to back down from a good fight. So a good no. argument. So I just <laughs> come in there, and she, she was like a pit bull that would not let go. And and she's saying, you know, why do you pro-lifers always do this? And and you know, you must be against contraception and don't enforce your religious values on me. And I hadn't mentioned religion once. I had just said, you know, based yeah. on science and human right. rights, yeah. <laughs> this is my position. Um, it's grounded in science. And then I take the human rights argument from the scientific knowledge I have. 
and I extend it to my unborn brothers and sisters. And, oh, my goodness, I was, but this is a woman from a very good family where there is longtime pro-life activism. Um, so, you know, you can just see how the tentacles of the culture have reached it, even into our own family, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I pray she'll be back. Certainly she was not raised to think the way she's thinking right now. And she may have a guilty conscience about something, you know, in her yeah, past. I can't, something. I don't know. I'm just spe- speculating on that one, but you never know. And because it became so pointed. And so, but a lot of my friends have told me about having similar experiences on social media where they're just shocked by the reactions that they get sometimes from yeah, people. So, absolutely. So, yeah, sometimes you, yeah. you don't, you know, you, you never know. So I try to be, you know, anytime I'm engaging with people in that regard, I, I try to be as um, non-personal as I can possibly be, you know, um, yeah. because you never know yeah. when you may have a moment to convert somebody on that issue. So that's what, during the Masterpiece Cake Shop, I have a friend who is a law professor. She is a Jewish atheist. She's very, very liberal, but we just, you know, our children are friends, so we've remained friends over the years. And, you know, she posted something, and then one, you know, there were all these posts on her page about how this is terrible, and they're going to be, you know, rounding up gay people and shooting them and deporting them. And, God, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was like, it was crazy. So I just, I posted exactly the information I just shared with you, that this was a man who would not even do Halloween cakes. Yeah. And has a long record of customers yeah. who had said, oh, yeah, no, he, everybody knew. He wouldn't do this. He, you know, if he wanted a bachelorette party cake with a phallic symbol, he would not do it. Yeah. You know, he was known for being yeah. like this, and he applied them universally. And I just wrote that. I said, I think your, your judgment here is a little unfair, because this was a man who, whether or not you find his religious beliefs repulsive, held them sincerely and applied them equally to all of his yeah, customers, gay or straight. And the woman actually came back and thanked me and said, you know what, I wasn't aware of those additional yeah. facts. I don't yeah. agree with them, but I, but I wasn't aware of that, so thank you for, you know. And I, I just was so upset by that case, almost more than the Nifla case, I have to tell you, because the way in which this man, who I believe is a very good, sincere man, was, you know, he lost 40% of his business. Wow. And he was instructed yeah. by, the, by the Human Rights Commission of the state of Colorado to sit down and re-educate his family, because it's most of his employees. I know, it was so insulting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Mary, so we've got, I've got to get it. his mother. Here's what I want to do right now, because I, I'm I'm just so looking forward to your talk tomorrow night that I want more people to be there, and they can still get in. So let me just give this. They can make a phone call right now and make a reservation at 847-223-7022. Let me give that again for people who are still looking for a pencil. 847 223 7022. You want to go, uh, if, you, if you want to register online, www.lcrtl.org. That's www.lcrtl.org. And that's going to be Friday evening, tomorrow evening. We'll be there, of course. The Lake County Right to Life fundraising dinner. It's at the Doubletree Hotel in Mundelein, Illinois. The Doubletree Hotel in Mundelein, Illinois. I hope people listening to WSFI right now uh, will sign up and, and come out and hear Mary Hallen. She'll probably 
uh, Mary Helen Fiorito. I'm sorry, Mary. I knew you as Mary Helen. No, no I know you've known me since I was Mary Helen. Since so you were a child. It's funny, the number of people who I know you have, because I went to high school with one of your sons. Oh, so I, I know it's I, funny people still refer I, to me I, by I, my married name. It's I, fine. No, my husband understands. The, and, and, but, um, you know, I want to let people know, too, there's no charge for the dinner, Joe. So no, I know. If pe- all they need, to, they just need just you to come. register so that they'll have enough food for everybody. So if you'd like to come out, it's going to be just a beautiful evening of pro life fellowship and you'll get to meet joe and ann listeners if you've never met joe and ann and you want him to sign a copy of his book for you um it's really going to be just an evening where if you're pro-life you can sit down at any table and not have to measure your words or you know dance around particular issues you'll just be surrounded by (laughs) all of our best friends um, tell the truth like-minded people Good. Well, I forgot yeah, about the book. I should bring a couple copies. Yeah, bring some of the, yeah, or people can bring their copies of the book, and I imagine you would sign them for them. Yeah, I'd love to. That'd be fun. I forgot yeah. all about that so long. You know, Mary, um, yesterday happened to be the 50th anniversary of uh, Pope Paul VI encyclical, very controversial at the time, and maybe still, um, Humane Vitae. And Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a list of some of the Pope's predictions in one of the uh, oh, the yes. things on Facebook, you know, celebrating this anniversary. Um, increase in marital infidelity, we've certainly seen that. General lowering of moral standards. Loss of respect for women, which I, I think has just been yeah. one of the most... Uh-huh. Uh, well, the whole Me Too movement, right? That speaks to that instantly. Right. And the coercive government intervention in citizens' reproductive lives, which, of course, is this whole thing now with... With the HHS mandate, and you know, right. um, I mean, did, did the did the Pope have a crystal ball? Um, <laughs> oh well, boy, it's, you know, you think, and when you think of um, the forces that were coming against him, and then the animosity he had mm-hmm. to deal with afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, right. My goodness, that was yeah, way back in nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah, like the holy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be addressing this a little bit. Not everyone who's attending tomorrow is Catholic, but. I am going to address it because um, there are so many things in the culture that really point to Humana Vitae's ongoing vindication. And um, I, I do think it's important for people to see in terms of the context of the abortion issue. I found an article, an op-ed piece written by a woman named Anne Ferruti, who's like the head of the, it's more or less like the, the Planned Parenthood of, of Great Britain. And she did this before a population conference that... Um, Great Britain was going to be attending, and they were attending with the government stance that they were promoting contraception to lower the abortion rate, and because we wanted to reduce the number of abortions. And she basically says, excuse my language, but she says, this is BS. We all know it's BS. We all know that more contraception doesn't equal an end to abortion. Absolutely. And and those who, she called it peddling a lie. And she said, people who are saying that if we just have more contraception, we'll have less abortion, are peddling a lie, and they know it, and we should stop lying. I believe in abortion, and I believe it is it is the backup to contraception, because every contraceptive method has a failure rate, and abortion is the backup to that. It's astounding for its frankness and its honesty. And so I'm going to be quoting from that article, because I think it's important for people to know that, that no matter what contraceptive method you practice, there is a failure rate. There's a failure rate to every single one of them, including, well, you know, natural family planning, which isn't 100% effective either. It's very good. It's very effective. But there isn't any method that's going to provide you with 100% protection. So if you're going to be engaged in, you know, intimacy with another person, you better make sure beforehand that he uh, is going to be on board to support a child if he helps to create one. 
And a lot yeah. of women don't think, you know, they're, they're so confident in their contraceptive methods um, that they don't think about what possibly might happen. And so this disconnecting sex and marriage and babies has harmed women the most because it's changed the whole dating and marriage and mating market. To the point that, it you know, is. there's a great yeah. new book out. I don't, you know, this would be a wonderful person for you all to interview on your show. Um, a sociologist named Mark Lignaris who's out of the University of Texas at uh-huh. Austin. And he wrote a book that came out last year called Cheap Sex, where he yeah. essentially goes through the different, um, the different ways in which women enter now into what they call the marriage market, right? So you're at a certain age, you want to get married. And do you know, Joe and Ann, his research showed that 30% of all women now begin their dating relationships with, with essentially with one night stands, with hookups. Mm-hmm. And Isn't that they sad? feel like they have to sleep with men. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. They have to sleep with men. They told Rick this in his studies. The, the way to access the marriage market, the dating market, is to sleep with someone to get them interested in you so he'll ask you out on a date. Yeah. Now, Joe, I can't imagine that, you know, when you were trying, when you were courting Anne, um, that you didn't bring her flowers, that you didn't take her out to dinner, that you didn't make a real effort um, to woo her in a respectful way to win her over. Well, I was sort of old-fashioned. Well, it worked. Exactly. It worked. It worked. And my husband, I remember, my goodness, he was dropping off candies on my desk at yeah. work. He was, and, you know, um, men and men, but men don't have to do that anymore because now no. women will sleep with them, you know, for, for my goodness, without even taking them out to dinner. Um, well, you you're dinner, probably so familiar with you know, that. You're, you're um, lucky. The dating you know, project. Um, so yeah, and so and that's effective women. And most women who will say their goal, their their hope for themselves personally is that they are able to marry, have a stable, lifelong marriage with one partner, and to have uh, children with that person, and to have a happy right. home. That's what most women say. But yeah. but the entire contraceptive market has has worked against them to create this market where, you know, in, practically they have to cohabit with someone just to get them interested enough to, to be faithful to them on, on the short term. So yeah. it has tremendous implications for anyone who has a young woman or young man in their life of dating age. Well, you know, just today I was reading the saddest letter about a woman who uh, was di- they were getting a divorce and, uh, uh, you know, splitting up the furniture and so on. And uh, <laughs> she was talking about how, how sad it is uh, when you're getting married, you get lots of gifts, but when you get divorced, you already have everything, uh, but you have to yeah. split it up. And it's, so it turns right. out they had been living together for a year or two before they got married. So, you know, it was not a real marriage. It was not the kind of thing that, that we right. went through. And it, it's happening all the time. Like you say, that's the system now. And it's so perverted that you just wonder, aren't they smarter than that? You know. My friend who told me he often counsels, you know, couples who have been cohabiting and then they break up. And it's often the women that come to him first, but he said sometimes the men. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, the men generally ask me the best way to get their stuff back. And the women <laughs> want to talk to me about how to get their reputation back. Mm-hmm. So isn't yeah. that a telling, you know, comment? Um, so... You know, it's a, it's, again, if contraception has really done women very few favors. It's had a terrible, deleterious effect on the environment. It's had a terrible, deleterious effect on the dating and marriage market that particularly affects women and, you know, particularly affects the poor. 
So yep. you find marriage rates among the poor have just plummeted. Oh, oh yeah. Have plummeted. And this is, you know, well, you know our friend Pastor Cesar before, yeah. who's a wonderful African-American pastor of the beloved community on the, on the South Side, and he is, you know, often going on about this, that, you know, in my community, the out-of-wedlock birth rate is 73.5%. Mm-hmm. 73.5% right. of children in my community are growing up without a father in the home. Yeah. And if you don't think that that's a contributing factor to violence, then you are just not living in the real world. <laughs> yeah. And un- until people really recognize that. Actually, Joe and I went to... Um, a, a peace march. Father Flager has this peace march at the last day of school every year uh, okay, to try right. to encourage uh, people to be vigilant in their neighborhoods to, to try to prevent violence. Right. And um, the speakers, there were two young African-American men. One was a rapper. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who, who these celebrities are, but he spoke about the fact that fathers need to take responsibility for the children that they conceive. And these guys were really good speakers. It was, it was very uh-huh. impressive, and you wish that more people could hear that message. And then they read out the list of, uh, of kids that had under 18 that had been victims of gun violence that year. Um, very, yeah. very sobering, you know, that, that, that yeah. this No, it's really, we're very lucky, is, you know, that yeah. we, um, you know, live in communities, um, you know, my family and yours, that we, we don't have to worry generally about, like, you know, that, that I, I'm thinking of that case not long ago where the woman was waiting with her 13-year-old daughter in the parking lot of the dry cleaners because they were picking up dry cleaning, and somebody came back and just fired into the car and killed both of them. I mean, can you imagine? No, uh, I can't. <laughs> I, so just, I just can't. And it know, happens anyway. every day. It's yeah. just so, it's right. so tragic. And it's, uh, you know, you try, you, you try to bring these truths out to people, but nobody listens. I mean, you can't, right. uh, they've, they've made up their mind. We, we, we had our truth tour recently where we go out with the pictures of the baby in the womb, you know, right. uh, at the different trimesters, and then we show some pictures of the babies that have been aborted, and we've tried to tone them right. down a little bit by showing a hand or a foot or head. But people would come by, and they're just furious. They're, they're leaning on yeah. the horn. They're, they're calling you everything, go, get a life, and so on, things you can't repeat. There's just a hatred. Uh, how do you yeah. reach people like that? Where, where do you? Yeah, I, you know, Joe, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, not that we shouldn't try. I'm not trying to give us an excuse not to do anything. But I do think with some of those things, you just... You know, when you see those people, I, you know, you just have to try to pray for them. Pray. And yeah. maybe, you know, it's a lot of times it is the Lord that has to bring them back. You know, there may not be yeah. anything you or I You're can right. do and, and you know, right. help them. There's yeah. a good chance that we are the only people who are going to pray for for yeah. those folks who are so right. misguided. Right. So because they what, may not even know. What we need right. to they do. may not even know another person who prays in their, yeah. in their life. Well, so, Mary, I want um, people to come tomorrow night to hear you because I, I'm looking forward to it. So let me just give this well, number one you. more I'm time. I'm looking forward to being there. Here's, a, here's the number, 847-223-7022. Come and hear Mary Helen. It's free. Come in. You'll, just, uh, you'll never be the same afterwards. Or you can right. go to www.lcrtl, that's the um, uh, letters, dot .org. And uh, so it's time now. That's about it for today. Is that right? So thanks again to my guest, Mary Helen Fiorito, and my co-host, Ann, my wife. 
Join us uh, soon. I don't know if it'll be next week or just when, but on Pro-Life Today. Remember, that's the name of our program. Till then, from WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, I'm Joe Scheidler. And Scheidler, thanks for listening.